We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit of a shorter one, but we have a very special interview to break down the latest in the 2022 NFL draft, which is just a few weeks away. We're bringing in Jacob Infante, who is the lead draft analyst at Whitney City Gridiron, and he covers the draft for the Draft Wire. He's joined us in the past before, and he's here to give us some insight, not only the Chicago Bears and what they could do here at the end of April, but the general NFL draft um, coming up here in Las Vegas. Jacob, thanks again for joining us, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's always a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, you know, like, yeah, the three of us, like, you know, I've known both of you guys for, you know, quite some time and been able to interact and, you know, collab and stuff. So uh, always a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. And yeah. we seem to share something in common because I think we both got drugged the hell out by uh, Adam Johns and that 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 March Madness <laughs> thing. So that was that was fun. Yeah, you know it's it's a lot of fun uh, to be involved in that. But man, I I think that's a hurdle that at least for me, I don't think I'm ever going to climb. I think that you came a little closer than I did, Aaron. Yeah, and it still wasn't very close, man. It's yeah, it's it's tough, man. You get those the the two Adams because I think they're in the finals. I don't know if the, yeah, that yeah. has actually happened yet, but yeah, it's rough, man. But at least we get to talk some drafts and we can talk about some cheerier things and getting beat in a, in a Twitter <laughs> poll on March Madness that happened in April. So you know, it's all it's all fun and games. Yeah, I I didn't lose to Johns. I lost to Fishbane. It wasn't even close in my second round. So yeah, the athletic guys pretty much just going through all of us <laughs> essentially um that's a tough draw honestly yeah that's so really. what's kind of crazy is um two three years ago when it first started um kevin and i were like not in it and um then the last two years i think we've matched up both times or something like that something kind of crazy like that but um yeah jacob let's kind of get into the draft talk here man um you know for you you cover the draft year round um I- i'm guessing you know, when, when the third round or when the third day is over on Saturday, you kind of start to dig in or already have started to dig in um, into 2023. But what I want to know is when you started on 2022, 
what was kind of one thing you thought back then that maybe has changed now as we approach the draft? Maybe it was your you know top three or four players or tendencies, anything like that. Yeah, so I'd have to go back and check for specifics, but I know that one thing uh, you know that you mentioned that's one hundred percent true is just the change from say like April or May of 2021 comparing that to what we have now. So just off the top of my head, I didn't have Aiden Hutchinson uh, nearly as high as I have him now for full disclosure. I have him as my top overall prospect right now. And I didn't think he was a first round pick coming into this year. I think he improved substantially and I think he deserves all the credit in the world for that. And, but when I watched him, he looks more, look more explosive this year, more athletic this year. Uh, I thought that the power and the, just the general technique was always there, but in terms of the athletic upside, I think we saw a drastic increase, uh, at least from what I was able to see from year to year. Uh, wasn't too high on Kenny Pickett heading into the year either. And now he's my QB two. Uh, it's neck and neck. I have Malik Willis at QB one, but I think that Pickett's done uh a pretty good job of improving uh, accuracy, consistency, decision-making consistency. Uh, there were certainly flashes during his time at Pittsburgh, but I think there was a bit of uh, rocky ground there. And uh, I'm going to go with one more here to see if I can pull it off the top of the dome. So I had, uh, I had Derek Stingley for the longest time as my cornerback one. Uh, and I still have him graded very highly on my board, but I do have Ahmad Gardner out of Cincinnati ranked higher than him now. And I have liked Gardner's game for quite some time, but this year I think he really took that big step uh, going from, okay, this guy could go first round to it would be a shock to me if he didn't go top 10. So uh, those are just a few off the top of my head. I'm sure there are some other uh, big risers, you know, Jamison Williams shot up my board like crazy. Sky Moore wasn't even on my radar really uh, before like late August, something like that. Uh, so oh, a lot's changed over the last year, but those are just a couple things that have uh, kind of fluctuated a bit. Well, and, you know, as, you know, as, as we cover the bears and as we talk the bears quarterbacks, always a very interesting conversation and always a conversation of topic, um, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'm kind of curious from your perspective, uh, you know, in, in terms of the, this quarterback class, you said you had Malik Willis one, you had Kenny Pickett two. How do you rate this overall quarterback class? Because to me, this seems like one of those where if the Bears were still looking for a quarterback, I don't think I'd be overly high on any of these guys just because of the risk and the overall ceiling for a lot of these guys. Yeah, I think that there's uh, – it's a two-edged sword. With one guy, it'll be a lack of polish and a – huge risk and for another it's a lack of general upside uh so it's it's definitely a tough qb class to get a pin on i have malik willis as my qb1 because i think that his uh physical upside is the best of the bunch i think he's got a good arm and he's an insane athlete like i think he's the type of guy he enters the nfl he's immediately a top three athlete at the quarterback position uh he is in that i want to say lamar kyler murray range uh that's how good of you know, in terms of mobility, in terms of running the football, how good he is. Uh, and if he can develop in terms of his ability to make the right read consistently, to 
not have so much of a gunslinger mentality where you have 100% trust in your arm to make the big play every single time because that has cost him in the past. But no, I think that generally you're not looking at a Trevor Lawrence type prospect in this class. Uh, I'd argue, you know, not even a Justin Fields prospect or a Zach Wilson prospect. And those, you know, keep in mind those guys that were, you know, very highly uh, ranked in the general consensus in the grand scheme of things last year. Uh, so I don't think you have a QB of that level. Uh, you know, Carson Strong, I think, has some upside. Matt Corral has some upside. I really don't know how to feel about Desmond Ritter still. You know, having had him on my radar for two years, I still don't know what to feel about him. And then with Pickett and Howell, I just don't know how high the ceilings are there. So it's uh, it's a tough QB class for sure. And from a Bears perspective, I'm glad they took a shot on a QB earlier and one that, you know, I believe is a superior prospect to anyone who's coming out this year. But obviously time will tell. I think that there's potential for this QB class to outdo its kind of ranking, but uh, this group doesn't come without its question marks for sure. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this is a fairly weak quarterback class with guys who I feel like, you know, it's kind of cliche are either going to boom or just completely bust. Like I I don't really see a guy that's kind of, you know, in the middle. I I think a lot of them have offside. I think a lot of them, you know, have a really low floor as well, but one guy I'm kind of curious about, and I want to get your thoughts on this, you know, Oregon's cave, uh, Thibodeau for a while. I mean, a lot of people talked about him as, as potentially being the number one overall pick and a dominant edge rusher, but his draft stocks, you know, kind of seem to fall a little bit. Where do you have him going? And, you know, if you have him falling from where you once had, what's the reason? What kind of happened there with him? Yeah, so it's an interesting case with Thibodeau. It really is because here's the guy who's been uh, borderline the consensus top prospect in this class for – more than a year. I mean, since his freshman year, since he came out, he's been uh, held in a very uh, high pedestal. And for what it's worth, I, I have him as my third overall prospect, which, you know, at his peak, it was number one, he's fallen down a little bit. And in referencing back my latest uh, mock draft that I did round one for uh, Windy City Gridiron, I have Thibodeau going eighth overall to the Falcons. So uh, and, and you know, that's not projecting any trades in the first round. So I'm sure things will move around. Guys will rise or fall depending on who moves where. But if the order stays where it is right now, I could see Thibodeau landing there. Uh, I think there have been concerns about uh, just general effort. I feel like once when he dedicates himself, he's able to take advantage of that, you know, insane athletic ability that he has, his stellar first step quickness. Uh, his mobility, his flexibility, turning the corner off the edge. Uh, and you get that, but you don't get the effort on a consistent basis. There are some times where he plays like the hardest guy, sometimes where he takes plays off. And I think you saw more uh, motor issues this year than in past years with him. And th- this is one of those things where I don't put a ton of stock into it, but I feel like NFL teams might. So Going into the combine, he was like, oh, I'm going to participate in every single one of these drills. I want to compete. I want to show him the best. Then he ran his 40 and then just didn't do any of the positional drills. So 
that that is a little bit of a mixed signal saying, oh, I want to compete. Of course, I'm going to be doing all the drills and then just backing out after he ran a good 40. Uh, so is he the type of guy who's going to try and coast entirely off of his athletic upside? Because it's clear that there's a lot of it. Or is he going to be the type of guy to consistently uh, maybe add strength to his frame, keep working in the weight room and keep developing counter moves because he has quick hands. Uh, but it's just a matter of can he consistently string moves together? And if he doesn't win at the initial point of attack, what's he going to do from there? So it's, you know, a convoluted situation, but I think that uh, I think that Thibodeau's upside is very high, but he's one of those boomer bust type of guys. So I think someone to still definitely takes a shot on him top 10, but I do think that he falls a bit more than people would have expected, say two, three months ago. So earlier, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, NFL.com did a thing, and I can't even remember who put it out. I want to say it was, it might have been Lance Sirline. Uh, but somebody put out basically like kind of ranking each position in the draft. And obviously, I don't want you to dive, you know, super deep in, you know, as far as that goes. But in terms of strengths in this draft, what would be your top three, just overall? It doesn't have to be for the Bears, just just overall in terms of positional value and, and, and you know, where the talent is and all that. Where would you rank the top three, uh, you know, positions in this draft? So that is a tough one because I know two positions for sure that I'd put. So I'll have to think of a third. The, the two I know for sure are wide receiver and edge rusher. I look at this wide receiver class, maybe it's not, as top heavy as last year's or the year before's. Like, I don't think there's a Jamar Chase in this class. I don't think there's, uh, you know, a C.D. Lamb or a Jerry Judy in terms of that prospect. Uh, and I don't know if anyone makes a Justin Jefferson level uh, production jump right out of the gate, but it's a very talented group. A lot of guys who could go uh, mid to late round one, early round two that, you have a legit argument to say, okay, I, you know, I could see this guy going first round. And then you look a little bit farther down the board, you see late second, early to mid third. There's a lot, a lot of value there, which is good for the bears considering they still have a major weakness at receiver. And the farther down you dig, there are still a handful of guys in, you know, day three territory that I believe could contribute a solid amount at the next level. And Moving over to the edges, obviously we touched on uh, Thibodeau. I mentioned Aiden Hutchinson's my top overall prospect. Uh, Trayvon Walker's stock's been rising like crazy. I wouldn't be shocked if he's the second overall pick. And there are even talks he might go first, which I don't know if I believe, but I do think he's going to go insanely high. And, uh, you know, time will tell exactly where he lands. George Karlaftis is another guy I think's being overlooked in this class. Insane power way better athlete than people give him credit for. I think that his upside is pretty high at the next level. Uh, Jermaine Johnson's been rising up uh, from Florida state. He's been rising up boards could go top 10. Uh, and then you just go further and further down the list. There are a handful of guys who could go around one David Ojabo from Michigan. He got hurt, but his tapes insane. Boye Mafe out of Minnesota, Drake Jackson from USC could go pretty early in terms of, you know, probably round two there, but there's a lot of top end talent at the edge rusher position. And I think that there's also pretty good uh, value in like that fifth, sixth round range. If you're looking for someone to develop into a rotational guy, but uh, receiver and edge is what I'll go with for two of them. And as for corner, uh, I think is what I'm going to do with my third one, uh, which is tough because I feel like 
at least from a Bears perspective, they might be kind of screwed over with a lot of corners going earlier than 39 or 48. But I do think that the high-end talent is pretty impressive. You're looking at Sauce Gardner, uh, Derek Stingley, Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson, Kair Alam from Florida, uh, Trent McDuffie, Washington, Kyler Gordon, Washington, Roger McCreary, Auburn. I think all seven of those guys have a good argument to go round one. And then you have your Tariq Woolens, uh, the UTSA guy who is, you know, like 6'4 and runs a 4'3", 40, something crazy like that. And there's a lot of good value. I want to say like late three, early four is the sweet spot. So the Bears don't have a fourth round pick, but I feel like if they trade back, uh, either trade back in the third round or move back in round two and pick up a fourth, uh, you could see very good value at corner there. So those are the three positions, receiver, edge, and corner that I'm going to say are the top three in this class. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And, you know, speaking of the Bears, they have needs. They have, you know, needs at wide receiver. They have needs at defensive back, um, offensive tack, offensive guard, you know, a lot of needs. They have three day two picks, um, two in the second round and then one in the third round there. What's your evaluation of where the Bears stand right now? Um, I know you said that defensive back and wide receiver edge are really strong. What do you think they're going to do? Uh, you think they'll go, you know, double up on wide receiver on day two? Do you think they'll um, maybe go offensive tackle? What do you kind of see right now as we're a couple of weeks out? Yeah, so we'll see exactly what they end up with in terms of uh, draft capital, because I do expect them to move around a bit. And pro- More than likely, I do expect them to move down at some point with one of those uh, day two picks, but my gut says for receiver that they probably take one in round two and round five. And I know that's, you know, very specific and things could definitely change, but that's just the general vibe I'm getting right now. I'd be shocked if they really wait on a wide receiver just because they've added Byron Pringle, uh, Equinemius St. Brown, and that's it. And you still have Darnell Mooney, who's a quality receiver, but who else has proven to be a very good starter or even a starter at the next level? None of those guys are. So you need someone to, uh, you know, help out Justin Fields a little bit, someone who can serve as that reliable wide receiver to uh, at least as a rookie. And, you, you know, you can debate whether Mooney's a wide receiver one going forward or not, but uh, he, he more than likely will be for the 2022 season. And then going forward, have Mooney and a rookie uh, as your duo there. And I could see them double dip 
hoping on day two, maybe not back to back in round two. Uh, I think if they do double dip, then they'll take one in round three. But with a team with this many needs, I don't know if that's the best approach, just simply because you have Dakota Dozier currently slotted to start at right guard. And, you know, given what he's shown during his time with the Vikings, that's not necessarily someone you want to have solidified there in a starting role. Uh, You're looking corner, obviously, is a big one. You can make the argument for tackle. I know that there's discussions about Larry Borum, where he fits in this new regime, where they stand on him if he's a tackle or a guard. Discussions of if Tevin Jenkins is a left tackle or a right tackle or even a guard. Uh, So I wouldn't rule out offensive tackle either. Uh, I think there's just a lot of different avenues they could pursue. Maybe even safety. I don't know. But my gut for receiver, at least, is round two and five. I think that's pretty reasonable. And that allows them to uh, add some young faces to the receiver room, add what will probably be someone who can contribute right away in round two, get an athletic guy with long-term upside in round five and still be able to add some quality talent at other positions. Well, and speaking of receiver, um, you know, do you have some favorite names in both, you know, rounds two and three, and then you talk about the fifth, maybe even the sixth. I mean, do you, obviously there's going to be levels of this, but do you have some favorite names uh, in those, in those two tiers that you'd like to see the bears go after that would be good scheme fits? Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned scheme fits. Cause I know that I've uh, beaten this day bell narrative to death over the last couple months, but uh, I will exclude him just because I think there are better scheme fits around that range. Uh, the two, or the three rather, that really stand out in that round two range as good scheme fits, at least to me, are Christian Watson from North Dakota State, George Pickens from Georgia, and Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. Now, I think that Watson has the most upside of the bunch. I think that, you know, him being the tallest, him being the fastest, uh, there's a lot to work with there. And and that's not a knock on any of the other guys. I think Pickens is probably the most refined of the three. And then Pierce, I think, is a little bit of a step down. But if you trade back in round two, or maybe if he's there in round three, you're getting one of the best 50-50 ball guys in this class who can also stretch the field. Uh, and I, I picked those three guys because looking back you know, at that Packers offense, they currently don't have that reliable guy to serve in that Marquez Valdez Scantling role. And I mean, if you're taking a wide receiver round two, I mean, I know a lot of fans would probably want more production than Marquez Valdez Scantling, but a similar skill set, someone who's big, someone who's fast, someone who can be that vertical threat. Uh, They have Darnell Mooney who can stretch the field, but He's not as, you know, he's not a tall guy. He's not a big guy by any means. I think they need some size. Uh, They could use some speed at the receiver position. So those three really stick out to me. And in terms of that round five range, I really like Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor. I think that if, uh, if they opt for a different type of receiver, like a Sky Moore, who's a bit more shifty and can make moves in space, then I think Tyquan Thornton could be that, uh, taller, deep threat, developmental guy for sure. Uh, another names, Tanner Connor out of Idaho State and Isaiah Weston out of Northern Iowa, both tested insanely well uh, in their, uh, both in Connor's pro day and Weston's combine. Uh, I think those two guys, probably not round five. I think you're looking more of those in round six, but 
Uh, I think those are those two especially are names to keep in mind as we're getting closer to the draft. Staying on the topic of wide receivers, there is a wide receiver that I am starting to fall in love with his, his play, and it's it's Boise State's Khalil Shakir. And watching his tape, there's a lot that stands out to me. You know, I, I think he's a good route runner. He's got you know pretty good hands. But he kind of, in a way, um, if it makes sense, he almost creates throwing lanes for his quarterback. He really helps out his quarterback by getting open. Is he someone that you could see maybe fitting in with Chicago's offense, you know, primarily in the slot? Or would, you know, maybe they go another route um, if, if he is there? Is there other guys that could take over him? Yeah, so I think with Shakir, you're getting a guy who – uh, he, he has a solid ceiling. I think he, you know, he's a good athlete. Uh, I think he's more of a high floor type of pick. So that's someone I consider in round three. I do think he's one of the best route runners in this class. I think, you know, he's crisp coming out of his breaks. He's uh, an intelligent guy who's able to exploit some of those blind spots a defensive back has uh, and, uh, you know, adjust his stems accordingly. Good athlete, reliable hands, not the biggest guy, not the most physical guy. Uh, like I said, I don't know exactly how high his ceiling is, but I do think he has a high floor. So uh, I do like him in the slot. I think he can play uh, the Z as well. Uh, so, you know, having that versatility, I think will help him out. I think he'll be able to contribute into a high, I think a high end wide receiver three or a mid to low level wide receiver two is what you're working with. So, uh, you know, solid starter upside is what I'd say with Shakir. Uh Maybe not the sexiest pick you could go with at wide receiver, but I think it'd be a reliable one. And if the Bears just want a guy who can contribute right away and can just, you know, be that kind of security blanket, I guess you could say, uh, then I think Shakir could definitely be in the running. I don't think he goes round two, but uh, round three, I'd certainly be on board. Yeah. And then just kind of transitioning, you know, a little bit more to the offensive line here and, you know, obviously the two big needs for this team are receiver and offensive line. Now it seems a little interesting because, you know, kind of looking at this tackle class, it seems like things are probably going to fall off for the bears, um, you know, really before they even get to pick 39. Now, with that being said, that could mean that some of these interior guys are kind of falling a little bit as well. So I would have to assume at this point, you know, with, with their needs and the amount of picks that they have in the first three rounds of the draft, that one of those first three picks is going to be an offensive lineman. With that being said, how realistic do you think it is to get a tackle at this point? Or do you think they're going to be looking more into your line and just kind of have to roll with what they have, um, you know, coming out of the draft and going from there? What, what's your overall take on the offensive line class and, and where the Bears are going to get their best value out in those first few rounds? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, so I think it's a very good offensive line class, uh, but you know, as you mentioned, Aaron, I think that it's going to be very tough for them to get great tackle value in round two because outside of Evan Neal, like McQuanu, Charles Cross, uh, you're looking at Trevor Penning's probably going to go round one. Bernard Raymond's probably going to go round one, if not uh, before the Bears in round two. So those are my top five offensive tackles right now. Then I think there's a little bit of a drop off. Uh, so I think the best value you could get is along the interior in round two. I think that if Tyler Smith is there, who I project as a guard, I think he'd be good value. Maybe not the most perfect scheme fit, but I think that in terms of playing style, in terms of what he brings to the table physically, I think that he uh, is a very talented athlete who could start very and He could start rather and have a very good career in the league. Uh, I think the best, and, and I, I go back to round three, I think the best offensive line value for the Bears is going to be in round three. Because then you're looking at, Cole Strange, the guard out of Chattanooga. You're looking at Dylan Parham, the guard out of Memphis. Uh, Ed Ingram, guard from LSU. I think those three guys in particular, I've really taken a liking to as possible uh, targets for the Bears. And then at offensive tackle, you're looking at maybe Abraham Lucas from Washington State's there. So I think that round three is going to be a very good spot for them to get offensive line talent, Uh, at, at least if the board falls the way I do think it will. And maybe Nicholas Petit Frere in round three as well. I know he's been pretty divisive, at least, you know, when I've been having these discussions with, you know, Bears Twitter people and draft guys. Uh, but I think that he could be a target in round three as well. So I think that if you're looking round two, it's probably either Tyler Smith or you're hoping a Kenyon Green from AM falls. Cause, you know, at this point, Linderbaum's likely not gonna fall. Uh, Zion Johnson from Boston College likely isn't going to fall. So uh, I, I really do think that round three is the sweet spot for offensive line for the Bears. You know, with that, flipping over the defensive side of the ball, I think defensive back is maybe a bigger need than some think. Um, you, you know, the Bears just added um, a, a defensive back already last week, but I don't think that's going to, you know, move them away from taking one. So, so if they, let's say they go – wide receiver their first pick in the second round and then the third round they you know they go offense tackle who would be kind of that defensive back you keep an eye on with their second pick in the second round um who 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 fits what Matt Eberflus wants to do with his defense so in round two I'm thinking probably isn't going to be the best cornerback value I mean if Kyler Gordon somehow falls to them in round two uh, especially that you know that second pick I think uh, that would be a pretty good scheme fit. But I think the best value is going to come at safety in round two because you're looking at maybe Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State's going to be there, uh, Daxton Hill out of Michigan, Lewis Seen out of Georgia. I think all three of those guys are very talented players who would be great values. Uh, Jalen Petrie from Baylor, I think, would be a really good fit. Uh, those guys, I think, could all go round two. Uh, a little bit farther down, I think Brian Cook, if the Bears – want to take a DB round three, Brian Cook would be a fantastic fit for this team. Uh, but all of those guys I mentioned, they have something in common and that's 
you know, they're athletic and they hit hard. They're willing to play with a high motor. Uh, they don't take plays off. And I think that that's a big thing that Eberflus is uh, going to prioritize in his time here. So I don't know about corner, honestly, in round two. I, if so, maybe Kair Alam I could see falling because there are some corners where, okay, they have a little bit of prospect fatigue. I think Alam's going to be one of those guys could maybe fall out around two. So if he's there, I think that'd be a good fit because, you know, he brings just length and athleticism and ball skills to the table. Uh, but I think as far as DBs go in round two, the value is going to be much better at safety and corner, which, you know, take that however way you want, but that's just the way that I look at this class. Well, and my final question for you is, and I'll stay on the defense side of the ball. The one position and I actually find very interesting in this draft, especially kind of in that second and third round is going to be the linebacker spot. And I think that's actually going to be a spot where, you know, at least in my eyes where the bears may be able to get a pretty quality player with, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll kind of let you give your own, you know, your own thoughts on this group, but I feel like that could be a sneaky position, whether that's, you know, pick 48 or whether they trade back a little bit, or even in the third round, where they could end up getting a really good linebacker that could really help this defense. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think this linebacker class is better than some people give it credit for. Uh, I think from the top guys, like your Devin Lloyds and the Kobe Deans all the way down to like that round four range, there are a good amount of guys I think could start in the league for sure. So it's going to be interesting. I know that the bears, like they signed Nicholas Morrow, but it's not on a long-term deal. They don't have that commitment to him as that, you know, develop that long-term starter, I guess you could say alongside Roquan Smith. So linebacker, I do agree, could be a bit of a sneaky need. Uh, in round two, honestly, I'm looking for guys like the, the one name that's popping out the most for me is Troy Anderson from Montana State. And I know some fans might be a little – uh, wary taking a, de a defensive player, let alone any player from a small school like that. But I think Anderson, you look at the size, the length, the speed, the upside, the physicality, there's a lot there for that long-term development. Uh, other guys I like, I like Chad Muma out of Wyoming. Uh, a lot of the linebackers I think would be better fits in round three. I keep going back to that round three pick because I have such – a generally a good understanding of, okay, there's a lot of really good value here in round three. I think that's the sweet spot round two though. I don't know exactly what the bears are going to do and what the board's going to look like. Uh, other linebackers. I like Brian Asamoah from Oklahoma. I think, you know, I've mentioned him a handful of times. I think that he'd be a good fit in this scheme with his, uh, his overall athletic ability and Damone Clark, maybe from LSU he, he might fall down boards a little bit because he got injured but when he's on the field he's one of the top linebackers in this class uh Quay Walker from Georgia Channing Tindall from Georgia both insanely good athletes I could keep going on and on and the fact that I've mentioned you know this many names shows just how good this linebacker class is and sure there's a bit of a drop off from the top guys to that you know tier two tier three sort of range but once you get into there they're a good dozen or so players that I feel comfortable saying I could see them being starters to the next level. So we'll see how the board shapes out for the bears, but I, I wouldn't rule out linebacker. I think that that is a sneaky need in the grand scheme of things. I'm glad you said that because we actually just published a piece on which linebackers would be available. And I, and I feel like, 
you know, many people don't think it's an actual big need. I do. I agree. I think it's, it, it is a big need for the bears. I have two quick ones before we let you go. Cause I know you're really busy. Kind of, kind of put you in the spot here. Uh, my first question is as a draft analyst, you know, and someone that's, that's familiar with the Chicago bears, this is Ryan Poles' first draft class here. What are you most excited to kind of figure out about Ryan Poles here in the, in the next couple of weeks? You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah. So I'm interested in seeing how he values certain positions and how aggressive he is in the draft or if he takes more of an approach of okay we don't have to move up and get be vindicated and getting my guy or am I going to want to move back accumulate as many picks as possible and just hope that that works out in you know being able to sacrifice potentially a superior prospect at a higher quantity uh, so I, I'm interested in seeing the approach that he takes there also, especially with this roster, with you're looking at it in the short term, there are probably more needs on offense, but in the long term, there are big needs on both sides of the ball. And I'm going to be very interested in seeing how polls develops a roster around fields because what we're starting to see in free agency, he's very selective uh, for better or worse. And he's the type of guy he's not going to really overpay if he doesn't have to, I mean, he'll sign people, but you know, look at the free agents they've brought in decent players, but nobody I think is really going to make a massive impact, you know, going forward. He's going to rely heavily on what happens in the draft. And I think that you get as many picks as possible, which that's what I think polls is going to do. But I think that he's going to trade back and accumulate draft capital, just a matter of, what is his vision? What positions is he going to focus on? Is there a certain side of the ball he's going to want to prioritize? He has the QB, or you know, at least we think going forward that Justin Fields most certainly has the upside to be the franchise quarterback of the Bears. But it's just a matter of how is he going to build a future playoff roster when you have a QB in place, but you have a bunch of holes elsewhere. And then my second question before we let you go here, give us a prediction. Um, you know, if the bears do trade one of those second round picks, you know, give us a player that you think they're going to take. If they keep both, give us, you know, two players you think they're going to take. Oh man. So this is, this is tough. Kind I of think, putting you in the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that, I think they'll pick twice in the second round. I don't know if it's going to be in the original slots, but I will say I think they still have two picks in the second round. As of right now, I'm trending. Man, I want to say Christian Watson, but I don't know if he's going to be available because I think he's the best scheme fit at receiver in this class that they have. But I don't know if he's going to be available. So just my 100% gut feeling going into this blind, I think Alec Pierce is one of them out of Cincinnati. Uh, 
And then, man, I Jalen Petrie from Baylor. I think that's a possibility. I, I don't feel great. Uh, and I'd certainly have to think more about it, but just my gut feeling right now with, uh, there are some guys that I really do want and some guys that I think if they fall be great, but, uh, those are two guys I feel confident will be there with those two second round picks. And so I'm just going to go with, I'm going to go Petrie and Pierce, uh, in round two. Awesome stuff, man. Um, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? And then where can everyone read your work? Yeah, no, for sure. So you all can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Infante 24. Uh, I do a lot of NFL draft stuff and bears content over at Windy City Gridiron. Uh, I also do, you know, mostly prospect interviews over at the draft wire. So make sure to check those out. And I actually just published my draft guide over on my Patreon, which is in uh, my bio. Uh, but no, it's, it's not in my bio rather it's pinned. It's my pinned tweet. I, <laughs> I keep messing that up, but yeah, it's my pinned tweet uh, has my draft guide as access to my entire big board, a seven round mock draft, you know, in-depth scouting reports, the whole shebang. So uh, that's where you guys can find me. Uh, pleasure to be on. Absolutely appreciate you having me. Anytime, man. Thank you so much um, again. And um, good luck with the 2023 uh, draft preparation. I'm sure you'll be getting started on that pretty soon as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I want you to hold me to this. So we're recording <laughs> this April 12th. Uh, yeah. By the time that next month comes around May 12th, I want to have I don't know about a mock draft. I want to have a top 50 big board out for 2023. Okay. Yeah. I'll hold you to it. I'm putting that out there for sure. All right. Sweet, (laughs) man. Thanks again. And um, take care until next time we talk. Thank you. Appreciate it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.